Welcome to the Delve Into Money podcast. I am your host, Curtis Haney. This is the personal finance podcast where we attempt to demystify money by reviewing books and applying what we learn to our own financial journeys. Welcome to this episode of the Delve Into Money podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you have not rated and reviewed the podcast, I'd love if you could go do that, especially on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us gain traction as we continue to try and grow. This episode is going to be a little bit different as we're going to talk about Thanksgiving and the reasons that we have to be thankful. Every year, Americans take the last Thursday of November to celebrate the holiday of Thanksgiving. To reflect on this time of year and what Thanksgiving means, I decided I want to talk about the history of Thanksgiving and the things we, as a, as a person listening to this podcast, have to be thankful for in regards to our money. The American story of Thanksgiving starts in the early 1600s. In Holland, there was a small group of separatists known as the Pilgrims. They were around 300 in number and were persecuted on a regular basis. Because of that persecution, they decided that they wanted to go to the New World. They first attempted this on a boat called the Speedwell, which made it out to sea and almost immediately started to sink. They had to turn around and try again at a later date. Next up was the Mayflower. Now, I don't know about you, but I always thought of the Mayflower as a big, massive, you know, like almost cargo ship, you know, something you think that can go out to sea and can really uh, take on the elements. I don't know where I got this, but in my mind, it was a big ship. And I thought, you know, it had to be, you know, even, you know, football length or bigger. Because I, I just thought that's what crossed the sea. But the Mayflower was only the length of a volleyball court. It was a small ship where only 104 pilgrims eventually set out to sail, with one third of those being children. To add to this, so this, this means they weren't experienced sailors. They weren't people who had a lot of experience at the sea. It was winter and the seas were violent. The water was so cold that you could die in three minutes. In September 1620, the Mayflower left Plymouth, England, carrying the 104 religious separatists seeking a new home so that they could freely practice their faith. They were also people that were uh, lured by the promise of prosperity and land ownership and what they called the new world. The crossing was not easy, as you would expect with people who are not experienced at sea. It was rough water, and that meant that you have a bunch of non-sailors with a few uh, hands, boat hands, in the roughest seas you could imagine. Sounds like a blast, doesn't it? So after this crossing that lasted 66 days, which a number of them died while on the ship, puking, just a disgusting environment. They dropped anchor near Cape Cod, far north of their intended destination, 
which was the mouth uh, at, at the Hudson River. One month later, they crossed the Massachusetts Bay, where they began to work and establish the village at Plymouth. Throughout this first winter, most of the colonists remained on board the ship, uh, where they suffered uh, scurvy, outbreaks of other contagious diseases, and then only half of the original passengers and crew lived to see the first New England spring. Just think of that. You have 104 plus crew, and that means 52 people lived to the next spring. So this was an extremely brutal journey, a journey that had to have taken an emotional and physical toll on everyone. In March of the following year, so in March of 1621, the ones who remained moved ashore where they received a visit from the local Indian tribe, who to their surprise spoke English. Several days later, the Indians returned with another Native American Squanto, a member of the Patuxet tribe, who had been kidnapped by an English sea captain and sold into slavery before escaping to London and returning to his homeland on an exploratory expedition. So imagine if you're Squanto and you have been kidnapped by these people, taken overseas as a slave, eventually escaped, and then returned home. So now you're seeing these people come and set up shop, essentially, in your homeland. Even so, Squanto taught the pilgrims, weakened by the malnutrition and illness that they'd had from the rough winter not being prepared, he taught them how to cultivate corn and extract sap from maple trees, catching fish in the rivers, and how to avoid poisonous plants. Because you can imagine it's a, it's a whole new world out there and they don't know what is good for them, what is bad for them. So having that help was essential to their survival. You have to think that the Indians probably weren't doing this out of the, the best of intentions because you got to think how they'd been previously treated by these people. But they were doing this out of fear from the past experiences of their interactions with these outsiders. Our history talks about the Europeans coming to America, and it's kind of this start of history, but these native traditions, they were here for thousands of years before the Europeans started showing up. So we don't really know much of their history much of this interaction between these two people, but you can assume it definitely wasn't hunky-dory as you see the story told so often. Anyways, a little sidebar there. but So now we're to November 1621. After they have planted, they a year after, it's now a year after leaving Europe, and they've gotten their first harvest, and it was successful. Governor William Bradford organized a celebratory feast and invited a group of the colony's Native American allies um, to remember the first Thanksgiving, although the pilgrims themselves probably didn't use that term. And this festival lasted for three days, include all sorts of games, all sorts of food, uh, probably not the stuff that we're used to uh, though, in our Thanksgiving. Historians have suggested 
that many of the dishes were likely prepared using traditional Native American spices and cooking methods. And because the pilgrims had no oven uh, and there wasn't really a sugar supply uh, because of, of not being able to get it and they'd ran out by that point, uh, the meal probably didn't feature the traditional pies, cakes, or desserts that become, have become a hallmark of, of our traditions. It wasn't until the 1770s that many colonists called for it to be celebrated in response to the Revolutionary War. And in 1777, this was the first time that it was celebrated. Thanksgiving was celebrated by all of the 13 colonies. For more than two centuries, days of Thanksgiving were celebrated by individual colonies and states. Through the next 100 or so years, it was celebrated by some and not by others, but nothing in an official capacity. So you had this period of time where I'm sure in the 1660s it was celebrated, uh, but then it was almost 100 years uh, before it was called for in a more formal sense, but still not formal sense. And then another hundred years before we're introduced to Sarah Josepha Hale, and she is credited for getting it on the calendar where we currently have it today. In November of 1846, Sarah began a 17-year writing campaign to request that the holiday be celebrated. On September 28, 1863, Hale, who is now called the mother of Thanksgiving, made an appeal to President Lincoln. At the time, 74-year-old Hale penned an impassioned plea to President Lincoln to set aside a specific day for annual Thanksgiving celebrations nationwide. She also wrote a similar letter to the Secretary of State, William Stewart, who may have been the one that convinced Lincoln it was a good idea. Then, in the midst of the Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln proclaimed a national Thanksgiving Day to be held each November. When you look back on this history of Thanksgiving, you see that there are a lot of people and reasons to be thankful. The likelihood of the pilgrims making it through was very low, but it was because of the help of the Indians, whether it was Uh, help out of the kindness of their heart or help out of protection. It was their help that led us to where we are today and led the birth of our nation. So we do have a lot to be thankful for, no matter what you think about is going on right now. It's with all that in mind that I want to reflect on the reasons we have to be thankful financially. As someone who is listening to this podcast you have enough things going for you that you've got a phone, that you've got the ability to get access to the internet, and those are things to be thankful for. So I want to list five things that we can be thankful for during this Thanksgiving season. So number one is despite the craziness of the last two years, the stock market is up 46% since COVID-19. That's 24% annualized on an annual basis, which is well over the average of 9 to 10% that you see historically. Even when you adjust it for inflation, we're still over 20% these last two years. That's a huge blessing. It's an unexpected thing. 
but you can you can extract a number of lessons from that but if you but if you have honored your investing strategies and you have stuck to investing you have seen amazing returns over these last few years we never know what returns are going to look like so i cannot make any predictions for the future but i would encourage you to continue to set aside money to invest on a regular basis. The second reason we have to be thankful is that cryptocurrencies are on a super hot run. For many of you, I know that you're not a part of this, but for the ones that are, it has been an amazing blessing to see where and what has gone on with cryptocurrency in the last two years. Bitcoin was under $10,000 when the pandemic started. And as of this recording, it is over $60,000. So that is a six times return in less than two years. Just a crazy, crazy run. In the future, we will continue to have episodes where we talk more about cryptocurrency and we talk about strategies and ways to get involved and how it should play in to your investing. The third reason that we have to be thankful is we got stimulus checks. So while I know everyone does not and did not get stimulus checks, even if you didn't need it, the stimulus checks were a huge blessing for a lot of folks. Now, I know we could get extremely political here, and and I'm not going to get into it, but I'm of the opinion that if a government is offering me a benefit, I'm going to take advantage of that benefit because so many others are getting to take advantage of that as well. Number four, while inflation is up, wages are also up with most of that benefit going to lower income families. So there's been a lot of talk about income inequality over these last number of years. And it seemed like it was continuing to get worse and worse. But for the first time in a while, we have seen the benefit of a change go to lower income families with their wages going up more as a percentage than wages of people with higher incomes. Unfortunately, inflation has offset this in a number of ways, but that goes back to number three, right? If we're going to print a lot of money, inflation is going to go up, even if we don't want to believe it. But we need to count our blessings if you've gotten a raise during this time because a lot of companies didn't do well and it looked like for a long period of time that raises would not be coming. So while some of these raises or maybe all of your raise was offset by a cost and increase of living, you're getting more now than you would have before. And you it's really a story of what could have been because it could have been so much worse. And the last financial reason to be thankful is that we seem to be headed through COVID-19. While we're still seeing effects of this on a daily basis, we're still seeing uh, supply issues, we're still seeing inflation, we're still seeing different wage short or job shortages or openings or whatever you want to look at it does seem that some stability is coming back to the economy and that we are going to see things headed in the right direction. Now, none of this is prediction to say what you should or should not do. But if you look at the effect that could have been with COVID, I think we really dodged a bullet in the effect that it had on the economy. 
So with that, I want to wrap up. I hope that this reflection on Thanksgiving acts as a sobering reminder that while we tend to get caught up in our day-to-day lives, we should step back and reflect on things we have to be thankful for. I hope, even if in a small way, that this podcast acts as an encouragement to you as I know your support is an encouragement to me. It's on that note that I want to thank you for listening, especially on today's episode, because that is what this episode is all about. You giving your time means so much to me in your words through this process, your encouragement has given me strength to power through any doubts or struggles that I've had since I've started. So again, I want to thank you and hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Until next week, remember that healthy financial decisions are intentional financial decisions. Intentional decisions this week lead to a healthy financial future. Start today. Don't eat too much turkey, and we will see you next week.